0: Welcome to POP, the sermon podcast for Peace Lutheran Church in Gehenna, with Pastors Doug Warburton and Tony Katko. Our reading for today is from 1 John chapter 3. See what love the Father has given us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now. What we will be has not yet been revealed. What we do know is this. When he is revealed, we will be like him, for we will see him as he is. And all who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure." So All Saints is a very somber, serious day. It can be a very emotional day for us. So I wanted to start out the sermon with something a little bit lighter, and then we'll get into all the heavy stuff. So we're going to do some saint trivia. So is everyone ready? Can you get your trivia hats on? Let's do it. So I'm going to give you some facts um, about a saint, and then you try and guess who the saint is. So our first saint is a biblical saint. And we don't know much about this person other than his trade. And because of his trade, his feast day is the same day as International Workers' Day. See, he's the patron saint of workers. And also because of his life, he's the patron saint of fathers, expectant mothers, and immigrants. So does anyone have a guess who this saint might be? Saint Joseph, that's it, yeah? Really, yes. Otherwise, no, you, were, you said it, but you weren't sure about it? Uh, the, the father of Jesus, Joseph. It, yeah, and you're exactly right. And the immigrant thing, too. Exactly, father of Jesus. All right, well done. Now, this second saint is a very popular figure around the world, Um, but actually he was never officially canonized um, from the Catholic Church, but his legend as a missionary grew, um, and so he really became a saint just by popular acclaim. Now, you might have heard that this saint spread Christianity to a certain area, but actually there were already Christians there, but he did help the faith and the church grow in this certain area by incorporating uh, the culture and traditions of the native people into Christianity. So on Easter, he would light bonfires to celebrate Easter because they were used to lighting fires to celebrate their quote-unquote pagan gods in the past. He also uh, changed how the cross looks to incorporate the symbol of the sun, which was important to them. And so he had superimposed the shape of the sun on the top of the cross. Does anyone have a guess what saint this could be? Not St. Paul. Patrick, St. Patrick, yep, you gotta picture that Celtic cross, yep. So he didn't actually bring Christianity to Ireland, but he did really help the church grow there because of what he did. All right, this next saint, I think a lot of you will be able to get, Um, she was the daughter of an Albanian grocer. She spent a lot of her life um, caring for some of the poorest of the poor, and she was very popular, but she did receive some criticism during her life and afterwards because she spoke out pretty strongly against divorce and against birth control and a lot of people thought that was kind of a damaging thing in some parts of the world but she was very well loved the canonization process was expedited by the pope after she died and so her the process of her becoming a saint was the quickest of all church history does anyone know what saint that is Very good, see, you all know a lot about saints, even if you didn't know it. Mother Teresa, Saint Teresa of Calcutta. Okay, this last one is a little tricky, but maybe one of you can get it, let's see. So this saint is someone that I know that you have heard of, a very popular saint, but this real historical fact might just change how you look at this person in the future. So this saint was a bishop and he took place in the Council of Nicaea in the year 325. Now for those of you who aren't church history buffs, this probably was the most important church meeting in the history of the church. They decided doctrine and heresy landed on what we have as the Holy Trinity from this Council of Nicaea. So this saint was a bishop during that council, meeting with the other bishops, and during this discussion about doctrine and heresy, he got so angry at another bishop, Bishop Arius, that he walked over to him during the meeting and slapped him across the face. Does anyone know what saint that could be? Nobody got in the first seat. Choir, you don't count. Does anyone know? Okay. Oh, oh, wait, wait. What do you think? What's that? Not Augustine. Good guess, though. No. So uh, there are also some legends about this person doing various miracles um, and saving children, which probably amounted to some other legends about giving gifts to children. (laughs) St. Nicholas in real life was a part of this council and supposedly slapped this bishop across the face, which means that although good old Saint Nick is very jolly, if you spread heresy, you will be on the naughty list and get cold for Christmas. All right, so this is probably not what you expected for All Saints Sunday, but thank you for playing Name That Saint. Here's the point. These are the kind of people that we think of when we use the word saint today. Maybe you would add some uh, other saints to that list. You think of St. Francis, St. Valentine, whatever. These are the saints. We think of saints as the superheroes of the faith. They're the best of the best. The saints have done some miracles. They've done things in their life that are so important they'll be remembered long after they are gone. So a saint is like the special category for the truly remarkable Christians, and that is not the understanding of saint that we use with All Saints Sunday. And it's actually not the understanding of saint that the Bible uses either. So the word saint in the Bible comes from hagias, which means holy, someone who is set apart. But the Bible never uses this word, the saints, to describe the great leaders, the great heroes of the faith. Here's how the Bible more often uses saint. Beginning of Romans To all God's beloved in Rome who are called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And there's the beginning of Ephesians, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Then there's Philippians, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi. And then Colossians, to the saints and the faithful brothers and sisters in Christ in Colossae, and then 1 Corinthians, to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those who are sanctified, same word, in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, together with all those who in every place call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. See, according to Paul, who is a saint? Everyone. It's the whole church. I mean, imagine this, these letters, it kind of would be like if Bishop Elizabeth Eaton, the presiding bishop of the ELCA, she decided to write a letter to our church, specifically to this congregation, and it would be read aloud during worship, and she started the letter by saying, greetings to all you saints here at Peace Lutheran Church, Gehenna, the saints are all of the children of God. Now, this especially matters, I think, of that last example, the Corinthians. If you read those letters, Paul had to write two long letters to these congregations, to that congregation, because they had so many problems they were dealing with. Basically, if a Christian community could do something wrong, the Corinthians have done it. These are not the best of the best. These are the problem children, right? That's why he has to write these long letters. And yet Paul writes to them, to all of them there, you who are saints. You see, in the Bible, a saint is not this superhero. A saint is not a saint because of who you are or because of what you've done. It is only because of God's grace that has made you one. That's it. So the reading I started with from 1 John, it doesn't use the word saint, but it talks about this same concept Let's look at that first verse. See what love the Father has given us. Not something we've earned, not something we've done. The love that the Father has given us that we should be called children of God and that is what we are. Now this letter was written to a church that had just gone through a major split. There was a large group of this church that had left and we don't know exactly the details behind this conflict But it was very traumatic for the community, as you could imagine. And so the people who are left behind at this church, they're they're wondering, maybe we've got it wrong. Maybe God has abandoned us and God is now with those other group of people that have left. And so John says to them, no, remember who God says you are. You are God's children and God loves you. Nothing can change that. No split can change that, no fight can change that, no pain or suffering, not even death can change that reality. You are God's children, you are loved no matter what. Now look at the second verse. Beloved, loved ones, we are God's children now, what we will be has not yet been revealed. There's this promise for us in the present and a promise in the future. And they're different realities. We are God's children right now, already. But what we will be, we don't know yet. It's yet to be revealed. So think of what that might mean on a day like today. In just a few moments, we're going to light these candles to remember the saints that have gone before us. And again, we're not thinking of the saints who have churches named after them. We're thinking of the saints that we have known in our lives. The people who are still a part of us, even though they are no longer on this earthly journey with us. So maybe today you'll think of family. You'll think of friends. you think of mentors and colleagues that you've had throughout your life. Maybe you'll just think of some of your church family who you miss And who you mourn. This is a difficult time, a difficult day. So where do we find hope on a day like today? There's this promise that we are God's children now, no matter what we're going through. And if we are going through pain and suffering, that means that this is not the end of our story. And we don't know how the rest of our lives are going to unfold We don't know all of the tragedies and all of the unexpected joys that are going to happen to us. We don't know that. And we don't know exactly what life after death will look like. That, as John says, has yet to be revealed. But we do hold and trust to Jesus. And so we turn to Jesus, and he actually, in a different part of Scripture, talks about this promise that God is with us now and God will be with us in the future. This comes from the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus' Beatitudes. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up to the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he began to speak and taught them, saying, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for the sake of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Now did you notice in that list of blessings, almost all of them have a present tense and then a future tense. It starts out, blessed are, right now you are blessed, and then there's this future promise, for they will be at some point in the future. Now what does a blessing mean? It simply means having God's favor. So you would say you're blessed if God's favor is resting on you. But who did Jesus say was blessed? I mean, the list of the people Jesus says are blessed, they're the complete opposite of how we think of blessing today. We would say, well, I'm blessed with good health. I'm blessed if I have a good family. I'm blessed with a good job. I'm blessed with good financial resources. Those are blessings, how you know if you have God's favor. And Jesus says, no, that is not the right way to look at blessings. Blessed are those who mourn. I mean, I don't know about you, but I certainly, in those feelings of mourning and grief and pain, I don't feel like God is especially favoring me in that moment in life. But look at the whole line. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. So the promise now, blessed are, God's favor is with you now. God has not left you, even if you're drowning in grief. Even if you feel like you've been abandoned or wronged by God, God is still with you in that pain and at some point, you will be comforted. It doesn't mean your pain will all of a sudden just go away. But where you are right now, that is not the end of the story. So I came across some writing from a Lutheran pastor, David Los, who was talking about All Saints Sunday. And he said something that made me pause. He said that All Saints is about those who have moved from the church militant to the church triumphant. It was kind of strange language, and this is just me personally, but personally, I don't really resonate with that kind of military language, the the militant and triumphant, so I was like, what is this about? But then, I love the way he explained it. The church militant, it just means people who are in the struggle of life. And then the church triumphant are those who are no longer in that struggle because they have seen and experienced the victory that Jesus holds over death. They have seen that love and life win in the end. So you and me, we are all a part of this church militant, the struggle of life. Now don't misunderstand that. This life is meant to be good. This life is filled with beauty and wonder and love. It is a gift and it also gives us pain and grief. This life will also break your heart in ways that will never heal on this side of heaven. And so we light these candles today to honor the loved ones who were in that struggle, the church militant, but now have gone on to that church triumphant because this isn't the end of their story. It's not the end of ours either. As it says in the book of Revelation, one day all of this will look different. One day there will be no more mourning. There will be no more pain and suffering and no more death. One day God will wipe away every tear. Amen.